Thank you, God, for being a God who is in pursuit of us, constantly in pursuit of us. God, you're constantly seeking us out. God, as we have been studying in the book of Judges, Lord, as we look and we see the people of God sinning against God, what we see is a God who is still listening, a God who is still personal, a God who is still trying to draw his people back to him. And Lord, I just thank you for that reality today. I thank you for the fact that we have this amazing opportunity to come back to you no matter what we've done, where we've been, the things that we have done wrong, the ways that we have sinned against you, God, we still have this amazing opportunity to come back to you, that you are constantly seeking after us. And Lord, I just thank you for that pursuit. I thank you for the pursuit of the gospel, for those that, that God, maybe they don't know you, maybe they don't have a relationship with you. Maybe today they came here in this place and they're just curious. They're trying to find out something more about God. Well, God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. God, that you would use the experiences, the circumstances in their life, God, to draw them to you so they might see the glory of the gospel and how desperately they need Jesus Christ today. Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful picture of pursuit that is written in your word. God, I pray that you're glorified now as we open this word and we look at it and we hear what you have to say to us. God, thank you for having a living, breathing word that speaks to us. Be glorified now as our lives are changed forever by it. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have been in the book of Judges. Uh, we're going to continue in the book of Judges today. Uh, we're actually going to go back to Judges chapter 4. Uh, so if you want to know where Judges is, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Joshua, and then Judges. Seventh book of the Bible, okay? So there's not a whole lot of Bible stories that you, you probably studied uh, in Bible school when you were, you know, when you were going through, you know, kindergarten, first grade, second grade. You probably didn't have a whole lot of, of Bible school studies on the book of Judges. Maybe you talked about Gideon a little bit, right? So, you know, but, but really the book of Judges is a very messy book, and it's really about the people of God sitting against God and God doing whatever it takes to draw those people back to him. And we see this continual process, like we want to look at the Israelites and go, man, what is wrong with you people? Why do you keep sinning against God? Don't you see the kind of destruction that is going to come into your life as you sin against God? You ever, like, you ever hear the preachers talk about, you know, how you got one... One finger pointing at somebody else, you got the others pointing back at you. You know what I'm talking about? Like, don't you think to some degree we probably should look at, once we put our, our own self in this, as the people of God in here, once we see that, we can see, you know what? We do the same stupid thing, don't we? Like, we know the destruction that's coming. We know uh, just like how bad it's going to be if we continue to rebel against God. And what do we do? We say, well, I'm not going to do it tomorrow, all right? Not going to do that again. I, I made that mistake yesterday. It's not going to happen today. Today's a new day. Tomorrow I'm going to be completely changed. And what happens? <laughs> Tomorrow looks a lot like yesterday, don't it? Yeah. We say it. We, we even mean it with our whole heart. But because of our fallen nature and who we are, a lot of times it don't happen the way we intend it to happen. But the, you know what the beautiful picture of this is? The beautiful picture of this is the fact that God continues to pursue us, that God continues to show us, man, this is who I need you to be. This is who you were created to be. Be that person. I know you messed up yesterday, but, but today, be that person. And, and, and I hear people all the time talk about Sunday mornings. Man, I come in here on Sunday mornings because I need a fresh start. 
I need a fresh, you ever feel like that? I need a fresh start. I need for God to remind me who I'm supposed to be so, so that I can be that person God's called me to be. And then what happens? I, I've given you this illustration before. It's called Monday morning, right? And Monday morning looks a lot like this. Am I right? <laughs> You're like, I'm going I'm I'm to I'm get to where I work and it's going to be okay. But for right now, it's Monday morning, right? I know who God called me to be. I was there Sunday when the preacher said it, and I was on fire, and I was ready. And then Monday came, you know? And that's, that's reality, isn't it? That's, that's reality. My, my hope and my prayer here at Simple Church is that, that, that you will hear God's word and you'll continue to think about it the rest of the week, that you'll continue to think about what God has challenged you with on Sunday, that it won't be just something like goes in one ear and out the other, you know? We have a big tendency to do that. And I hope and, my, and I pray that when you, when you hear God's word, that, that you will continue to dwell and to seek and, and think, okay, well, what's the next step, man? What else can I learn? Where, where else can I go in God's word to find something that will remind me of who God's called me to be? God's law is, is, is basically is this. It's, it's a reflection of the character of God. His, his purity, his holiness, his being completely set apart. All of those kinds of things are the, the, the word of God that, that shows us who we're supposed to be is a reflection of God's character is what it is. And that's where the standard of God comes from. It, it's, he says, this is good, this is righteous, this is pure. And that's a reflection of God's character is what we see. And, and we constantly see the people of Israel rebelling against God. They'll go and worship another God. That's what we saw in Gideon, right? They'll, they'll rebel God, against God and go and, and do these other things. When you begin to worship something that, other than God, what are you really worshiping? You're worshiping the image that you have created, right? And the image that we create is automatically going to be fallen and imperfect, Right? And people are all the time wanting to, to twist God and to make God fit into some kind of box or some kind of picture of what they want God to be. And that's the problem. When you do that, when you take God's word and you twist it and you make it, oh, I, just, no, I don't know if I really believe that or I don't like the way that sounds. And then you worship something other than the God of the Bible. You're just worshiping yourself. It's just the image that you have created, not the image of God that, that is in God's word. And we don't always like everything that we hear in here, do we? As a matter of fact, it stinks a lot of times. Am I right? It, it, because it's a mirror and it opens up our hearts and we have to like examine ourselves and really look at who we are, then we go, well, that's not really very fun, is it? And, and I know that, that there's some people that have left this church and, and they, they don't come back anymore because God revealed something to them, opened up their heart, and they were challenged by something and they did not like it at all. They're like, man, I want to go somewhere where I can just feel good and swallow my Cracker Barrel at noon. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to, to be all choked up at lunch because God is challenging me and dealing with something in my heart. I would much rather just be able to go and sit down and eat a nice casual meal at noontime and everything be okay. But man, the reality, the reality of this word and the reality of, of the standard of God, man, it does. It burdens you. And the reality, the fact that there are places where God is not worshipped, it should burden you. And the fact that there are places in your heart where God is not worshipped, it should burden you. It should burden you. It should be heavy on you. 
The grace and the mercy of God, it is infinite. And he is so much, as Rachel talked about, he is so much more than we can possibly comprehend. His love, his grace, his mercy, all of those things that are poured out on us are way beyond anything that we deserve. And that's the reassuring piece of it, right? The yes, there is a burden that is heavy, but yes, he is the answer to that burden. And that's what we should be thinking about. And God has to reveal this to us uh, the same way he had to reveal it to the Israelites. Now, we're in Judges chapter 4. We've been in Judges chapter 6. We were talking about Gideon. We backed up to Judges chapter 4. The reality of Judges is that you could probably take these Judges in any order that you wanted to because their stories are kind of very similar. So the Israelites rebel against God. Okay, I heard that before, right? And then here God is using these different enemies of theirs to draw his people back to him. All right, and that's the reason why we're kind of going in the order. I'm just letting God lead me through this. God, you show me where we're supposed to go next. Show me who we're supposed to talk about next. I'm just letting God lead us through this thing. So we've backed up to Judges chapter 4. Now, I have to give a disclaimer here, okay? There's a lot of third-year seminary student words in here, okay? Y'all know how I deal with these names, all right? I try to read them really fast so you can't tell what I'm saying. If, if you were watching me prior to getting up here this morning, you probably noticed, I, I, Ken and Jennifer probably know what I'm talking about. I was up here, I was like, I was in, in, my, in, in, in my Bible a lot, just like, now I go back, I'm doing that. That's because I'm trying to get these words down, y'all. Look, I've listened to my Bible app like a thousand times trying to get these names down, but it's really hard. So cut me some slack. You don't know how they're pronounced either. If you think you can do a better job, then get up here and say them. We used to have a Messianic Jew that, that came to the church, and I was like, I can't, you know, I can't really say that, because he could actually get up here and say the names better than I could, but, but like, it's, it's hard. So, get, okay, get, show your pastor some grace today, okay? As I fumble through these words, just be okay with it, all right? So, I, I, and you can go listen to your Bible app later, too, and see how they're pronounced. It's fine. After Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Can you imagine the, the Israelites would do evil in the Lord's sight? It's hard to comprehend how somebody could rebel against God again. It's, notice the word again. That word should jump out at you. Again. If you were to look in Judges chapter, chapter 3, you know what you would see? you see the Israelites rebelling against the truth of God. That's why it says again in chapter 4. And what do we see in Judges chapter 6? The Israelites doing evil in the sight of the Lord. So that's what we see. So God turned them over to King Jabin of Hazor, a Canaanite king. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in, yeah, <laughs> Harasheth Agoyim. Aha. Harasheth Agoyim, Sisera who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly opposed the Israelites for 20 years, and the people of Israel, Israel cried out to the Lord for help. So here we see um, that the Israelites have fallen under uh, the attack of these evil people, um, this evil king, and he's got this, this main guy that's in charge. His name is Sisera, which sounds a lot like Sissy, but Sisera is his name. And, and you have to understand the big deal about having 900 chariots. His chariots are a big deal. Uh, in this day, in this time, I mean, if you had a chariot, you are the man. Like, really, like, 
They're swift. They're fast, man. They can go in. They can attack an enemy, and they can get out of there. So they can go in. They can charge in really fast. They hit you before you know what's going on, and then they're out of there. So to have 900 of them was a big deal. That means that's a fierce army, and we're supposed to know that. That's the reason it says about 900 iron chariots. And he ruthlessly opposed the Israelites for 20 years. 20 years is a long time, isn't it? These people have uh, rebelled against God. They've fallen into captivity. And these, these guys with the chariots, man, they're, they're just wreaking havoc on them for 20 years. I, I guess when I read that, the thing I took away from it was, you know what? Sometimes I feel like I'm in a bad spot, a rough patch in my life. And I go, man, when is this going to be over with? It's already been 10 days. You know? Like, I've been praying about this, God, for like a week and a half, and nothing has changed, you know? Um, I have been struggling for like two weeks, and I continue to struggle, even though I have prayed about this for a long time, for two weeks, right? How much do you learn through pain? That's where we learn, isn't it? And because as human beings, we're stupid, we learn through pain. That, that's the re- I mean, that's the reason my parents beat me as a child with a fly swatter. It's because <laughs> every time I talk about my parents, y'all laugh. It's because you learn through pain, right? Now, I know there are some parents like, oh, time out is the way to go. Whatever is how you parent, you still need to hit them with a fly swatter. But anyway, <laughs> sorry, I, I can't get over the fly swatter. I still got marks from the fly swatter. Anyway, (laughs) but because we're human, we learn through pain. And sometimes that that pain needs to be sustained for a while before we really understand the impact of what we're doing and the impact of our rebellion against God. Sometimes it's got to continue on for a little while, you know? This is 20 years. We, we get upset about 20 days. This is 20 years. They rebelled against God, and God is like having these guys come in and attack them. See, what happens, you have to understand that, that what happens here is that when you rebel against God, when you begin to worship your own God, when you begin to look inside and you begin to worship yourself, is basically what happens when you worship another God. You know what God does? He goes, okay. You don't want to be my people anymore? Okay. That, that's, what you, that's what you desire? You don't, you don't want to worship me? Okay. I'll give you the desires of your heart. You want the desires of your heart? Here, have them. Have them. See, I've been protecting you. I, I've had my hand over you. I've been watching after you, but you don't want me anymore? That's fine. Have it. Have exactly what your heart desires. Sometimes our sin is just a result of exactly, exactly what our heart desires, and the punishment from that sin is exactly the result of us getting exactly what we asked for. I mean, I mean, Satan doesn't even have to do, do very much a lot of times. He doesn't have to tempt you a lot of times. A lot of times it's just you doing what you want to do. You know, a lot of times it's just you chasing whatever it is that, that you want, and therefore you get what you deserve, you know? It's like your mama used to say. You make your bed, you lie in it, right? And, and that's exactly what's happening here. God says, okay, you don't want me anymore. You don't want to be my people? That's fine. You can have that. There you go. And they're learning through their pain. They're learning through what it's like to be attacked. But this is a beautiful picture of what happens here. 
Verse 4 says, Deborah, wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at the time. She was sitting on the palm of Deborah. And maybe they called it the palm of Deborah. Maybe it got named after her because she was there all the time. I don't know. Between uh, Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And Israelites would go back to her for judgment. Would go to her for judgment. You have to understand what that means. I need to pause there for a second. Go back to her for judgment. It's not like, you know... Only God can judge me. It's not like that. It, judgment and judges in this particular sense is, is leadership. It, it's ruling. It's being able to make decisions. To be able to make wisely, God, wisely godly decisions. You know, and it's, it's just that's what they would go to her for. So they would need a ruling on something. They would go to the judge, right? So they needed clarity about something. They would go to the judge. And that's what they used Deborah for. Now, Deborah was already there in this role. God already had a plan, is what I'm trying to tell you. God already had somebody in place, and now it was just about using that person for exactly what they've been appointed to from the very point of their birth. Now it's just about using that person that's already there. One day she sent for Barak, the son of uh, Abinoam, who lived in the Kiddush in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, this is what the Lord God of Israel commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali, Zebulun, and Mount Tabor, at Mount Tabor, and I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with the chari- his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. There I will give you victor- victory over him. Now understand, she is a prophetess of God. She is one that is conveying the message of God. That's what a prophet is. It's somebody that conveys the message of God. A lot of people like to try to get all this crazy stuff in their mind about you know, what a prophet is. And they're going to prophesy over you and tell you what kind of house you're going to have and, and what kind of ministry you're going to have. You know who can tell you that? God can tell you that. And if God hasn't told you that, then you don't need to listen to some idiot telling you a bunch of stuff that they don't know what they're talking about. Okay? Does that mean that God can use, can't use other people to give you direction and, and kind of help you see what God's pointing out in your life? I'm not saying that. What I am saying is when somebody comes and tries to tell you something ridiculous, you need to listen to God instead of listen to a man. Okay? That's what I'm telling you. Okay? So anyway, so she is here. She's, she's, she's just conveying a message of the Lord. So this is what God said. Go get your guys. Go, go get your guys, Barak. Go, go get them. And... and, and the, the, the folks that are crushing you guys, I'm, I'm calling them down to the river, and, and you guys are going to meet there, and I'm going to give you victory over them. It's not saying Deborah's going to give you victory over them. It's saying God is going to get, he's convey, she's conveying the message of God. God is going to give you victory. I, the Lord your God, am going to give you victory there. Now, hold up. A lot of people go on. This is a chick, right? And Barak is a dude. I got some old, I got some New Testament verses that tell me that chick can't tell a dude what to do, right? You know what you need to do? You need to let go of those verses that you got taken out of context anyway. Start looking at the truth of God and in, in the whole complete picture of Scripture and what God is saying, and stop taking just a few verses here and there that feeds your ego. You let those down. And start looking what the, the, whole, the whole scripture of God has to say. This, I, I, I mean, I read an article where this woman was, was talking to this guy. It's like, well, well the, the only reason that, that, that God had to use Deborah was because uh, some man didn't step up and do that job. I don't see that here. Do you see that here? I, I just see a woman who is in charge that God has put in, put in charge. And here she is 
telling a man what God has said. And, and, and he, he, he's listening to her authority. Man, we get, I, I have dealt with this so much. There are people who won't come to this church because we say, you know what? Women have a voice too. So God can use women too. Here's a perfect example of that. I don't know how you can argue with that. I just, it's like God is using a woman here. And she's telling the guy what to go and do based on the direction that God has given her. I don't know what else to say about that. It's right there in black and white. And we, we like to take these New Testament verses sometimes and, and like twist them and shape them. And like, well, you know, I, that, <laughs> there's this, oh my goodness. So I could get on a big soapbox here. I'm going to try not to. But anyway, so I, I, used to, I used to sit in some meetings and these guys would like to say, oh, look at us. Look at how great we are because we're men, because we have authority, blah, 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 all this kind of garbage, right? And I would look and I said, but... If you want to look at the whole standard of what God says for you to be in that leadership position, it says also that you're supposed to have your family under control. And your kids ain't nothing but a bunch of hellions. <laughs> Apparently, you don't meet the standard either, but you're in here making out like you do because you'd like to pick and choose what verses you hold fast to. Now, well, I don't really apply to me, right? We like that. That doesn't really apply to me there. But I like this over here. I'm going to grab a hold of that, and I'm going to have it tattooed on my forehead. Right? Am I right? I mean, this is the soapbox I get on a lot of times because I, I've sat in those meetings so many times and hear these pompous, arrogant men talk about stuff where they should have spent more time reading God's Word instead of talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, like, there's people tuning out of Facebook right now. Click. <laughs> Facebook Live just shut down. We lost some viewers. You know? Let me tell you, I don't get paid by the church. I don't care. You know? My salary did not just go down, okay? I'm just, I'm just telling you what I see, okay? And you have to understand, you know what you need to listen to? You need to listen to what the Holy Spirit of God shows you through Scripture. And stop, stop listening to what some dude has told you. And start listening to the one who is the true God of the universe. Listen to what he tells you when you read scripture. Yeah. And, and there are some very intelligent men that will give you some very bad advice. Yeah. I, I was talking about in Gideon. I was talking about the way that, that the, the men drank from the water, you know. And, and I said, I didn't really know what that meant. I had like 10 people come up to me and tell me, oh, this, this is what that means. Now, I read this in a Bible study. I, I heard this from so-and-so. This preacher said this. And there were 10 different opinions about why it is that God used that as a mechanism for selecting those men that would end up going and be, being part of Gideon's final army. I mean, like, like there's 10 different opinions about why it is based on the way they drank out of the water. And, and I understand those are some pretty good ideas, but I want you to know something. This is important for you to know about whatever I say and about what you read. Unless it is scripture, it is what some man or woman ha has decided in their mind to be truth about that scripture. So you don't need to listen to just what I say. You need to read it for yourself and hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to you about this. Because when you read these Bible studies, you've got to understand that is just a man's opinion. That, it may be based on, on his, his study, and there are some very learned guys, okay, and, and, and I, I say this about seminary. I don't think seminary is a bad thing. But I want you to know that when you go to seminary, you're listening to a man's opinion yeah. about the way church should be done, about what this says and that says. 
you need to be so versed in Scripture that you can discern what it is that it's saying, what God's Word is saying in light of Scripture. The only, the only place that you can go for true discernment about what God's Word is saying is other places in Scripture. And I am sorry to get off on that soapbox a little bit, but I just want you to know that, that I, I hear this all the time. Well, I read this, I heard this, and blah, 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 and therefore it must be truth. And I'm like, it's just a man's opinion. It's just a man's opinion. Based on what he has read and studied, they got some great opinions out there. But they're just opinions. They're just opinions. And that's why you got 10 different people saying 10 different things about the way they drink out of the water is making them ready for, for being ready for service. So anyway, I needed to say that. Old Barak, or Barak, let me... <laughs> If you'll give me just a moment. <laughs> you know, Freud was on to something. I'm just saying. Freudian slip there. Barak. Oh, man. That's not getting <laughs> Don't tempt me to get off on that soapbox, all right? Barak told her, I will go. But only if you go with me. So you're like, dude, you're a chicken, you know, like you're scared. And, and remember what we said about Gideon. You remember Gideon, like he's like, all right, God, if this is what you're telling me, then I got this fleece and I'm going to lay it out here and there's going to be some dew fall and I need it to be dry, the ground wet, vice versa, you know, I got it. And, and he's like, he's constantly kind of like needing reassurance, right? He's constantly a little bit timid, a little bit fearful of what God's calling him to do. And that's just reality. That's, that's us, isn't it? Like God's calling us to do something. We're like, okay, I'll go if you'll go with me. You know, like, like God's called me to go over there and, and speak to these people, to go and minister to these people, to go and, and hand out food to these people. We're like, will you go with me, you know? And, and that's okay. God challenges us sometimes through other people, and that's all right for us to, to be intimidated sometimes. And and, and, and Deborah, in, in her gracious spirit, in verse 9, it says, very well, she replied, I will go with you. But she gives him a little bit of a warning here. I'm sorry, I'm so thirsty. I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture. For the Lord's victory over Sisera will be, in the hands of a, will be at the hands of a woman. Now, you're like, okay, is she being prideful here? It's like, no, she's just conveying the word of God. She's just saying that, that this is what God is saying. And she's trying to protect Barak a little bit and saying, look, you are going to have a tendency to want to be a little bit prideful here and say it has something to do with you. She's like protecting his heart a little bit and going, hey, look, you got to understand that when you go, this is at the command of the Lord. This is what God has said. Don't start to take, take a... a credit for what God is doing, you know, and she's starting to protect him. She knows that his tendency is going to be to try to take credit for it. So she's protecting him a little bit. So Deborah went with Barak to Kedesh. At Kedesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 warriors went up with him. Deborah also went with him. Now Heber, the Kenite, a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law, Hobab, was, had moved away from the other members of the tribe and pitched his tent in the oak of Zananim near Kedesh. Uh, when Sisera told Barak, the son of Abonim, had gone up to Tabor, he called for nine, all 900 of his chariots and all the warriors. They had marched from Herosheth Hagoyim to the Kishon River. Kishon River. 
And then Barak, Deborah said to Barak, get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera. The Lord is marching ahead of you. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors up the slopes of the Mount Tabor into battle. Now what I want you to understand here is the reason that we are supposed, we're getting this 900 chariots and the 10,000 warriors again is because 10,000 warriors against, against 900 chariots would have been nothing. Like 900 chariots could wipe them out in a second. And we got to understand how insurmountable this challenge is that's put before Barak, that, that he's supposed to go and do this thing. He's supposed to lead this charge. Deborah's going with him because he's a little bit scared. And she's like, she reminds him, this is, this is a place. You remember this place? This is a place where God's going to give you the victory. Do you remember the last time that you followed God? Do you remember the last time that God showed you something? Do you remember the last time that you listened to God and did what God was calling you to do? Do you remember? God's going to give you the victory. This place, on this ground where you stand right now, this place is where God is going to give you the victory. Man, don't we need that reminder sometimes? This is the place. Do you remember the last time when you got down at this altar right here and you were praying about something and you felt this sense of relief because you knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to you and you were responding to God, you were listening to God? Do you remember when you lay down here at this altar and you were crying out to God and you felt like the world was going to come to an end? Do you remember this place right here where God lifted that from you? took that away from you, restored you, made you new, picked you up when you were lying in the dirt, dusted you off and set you back on your way. Do you remember the place? Do you remember this place right here? Remember this place. Remember this place that God gave you the victory. Remember, this is the place where it's going to happen. And she's just reinforcing because I think he's still a little bit intimidated by, I only got 10,000 warriors. We're marching uphill against 900 chariots. It ain't going to go well. It ain't going to go well. When Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all of his chariots and warriors into panic. Sisera leaped down from his chariot and escaped on foot. And Barak chased the chariots and the enemy all the way to Harasheth Hagoyim, killing all of Sisera's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. Sisera got off his chariot and he ran away. His men were all killed. All 900 of his chariots were destroyed. God had given the victory. Meanwhile, Sisera ran into the tent of jail, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because Heber's family was on friendly terms with King Jaber of Hazar. Jael went to meet Sisera and said to him, Come into my tent, sir. Come in. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. This is where it gets weird, right? So a lot of y'all are like, I didn't study this at VBS, but this is where it gets kind of weird. Please give me some water, he said. I'm thirsty. Maybe that's why I'm thirsty today. I didn't think about that. Hopefully what happens to me is not what happens to this dude. But anyway, he says, uh, give me some water. I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. Stand at the door of the tent, he told her. If anyone comes and asks you if there's anyone here, say no. So he trusts this, this, this lady, right? He trusts. Uh, yeah, yeah, some of y'all are going, uh-uh, I ain't good, man. Don't trust her. So she goes to this, he goes to this place where he feels like he, he's safe and he's comfortable and he can hide out there. Then he goes into their tent and he's like, all right, look, I'm thirsty. Give me, and she's like, she's coaxing him, right? She's like, here, have a little, have some milk. She asked for, I don't know if he asked for water or wine or whatever, but she gave him some milk. What does milk go do? It makes you sleepy, don't it? <laughs> it makes me sleepy. That's what I like to drink before I go to bed. This dude, apparently, she had the same thing on her mind, you know? She's like, here, I'm going to give you some milk. Take a little rest, you know, some warm milk. Cover up with a blanket. It's a little chilly outside. 
I said, if anybody comes by, you tell me ain't nobody in here. Okay, I got you. Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion. Jael quietly crept in with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand. She drove the tent peg through, the tent, through his temple and into the ground, and so he died. No joke, right? In case you're wondering, you drive a tent peg from one side of your head to the other into the ground, you're not going to be breathing very shortly thereafter. So, so he died. In case you're wondering, that's what happened. So he died. Thank you for that, yeah. Noah says it sounds like a Friday the 13th movie. It does a little bit. When Barak, Barak came looking for Sisera, J.L. went out to meet him. He said, come in, I will show you the man you were looking for. Oh, you're looking, looking for Sisera. I'll show you where he is. Come in here. It is a little bit like a Friday the 13th movie, isn't it? So he followed her into the tent and found Sisera lying there dead. He is dead, in case you're wondering. With a tent peg through his temple. Kind of weird, right? So on that day, Israel saw God defeat Jabin, the Canaanite king. And from that time on, Israel became stronger and stronger against King Jabin until finally they destroyed him. So here, here's, you're like, okay, what, what is Judges all about? Judges is supposed to be like any other book of the Bible. It's supposed to point us back to Jesus, right? So, so you're like, how does this point us back to Jesus? Well... Barak had an enemy, right? An enemy that seemed to be insurmountable because he had 900 chariots and, 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 and Barak only had 10,000 men. And like, how is this going to happen? And like, I don't even understand. And God keeps giving the victory over and over again, right? And then finally, it seems like the leader of this, this whole tribe that was, that was wreaking havoc on God's people, like he had escaped and he had gotten away. And like, if he had gotten away, what was going to happen probably? He was probably going to get another group together to come back and attack them even worse, Right? So God had to squelch that, and God had to put an end to that right there. So this is what God did. He used this woman to, to coax him in, to make him feel comfortable, to make him feel at ease, like everything was going to be okay. And then she drove a tent peg through his head to put an end to it. He said, man, that sounds crazy. What does that have to do with Jesus? God had a plan from the very beginning, right? And we have an enemy who is constantly trying to attack us, constantly trying to come after us, to destroy us and destroy our relationship with God. And, and I believe Satan was probably at ease to a certain degree when he saw Jesus headed to the cross, right? He was probably a little bit at ease going, man, this is what I've been after. Finally, the, the Savior is going to die. The Messiah is going to die. And they're going to persecute him, and they're going to rip the beard from his face, and they're going to put a crown of thorns on his head. He was a little bit at ease, and it's like God was coaxing him in a little bit. And then, and then instead of the tent peg getting driven through the head, it got driven through the hands, right? And Satan thought he had won, but really Jesus had won. Jesus is the one that gave up his spirit. Jesus is the one that hung there for all of us. And when, when, when Jesus gave it up, all of our sin went with him too. And death, hell, and the grave was defeated that day. The victory was given that day on that piece of land in the presence of God. Victory was given by God, even though the enemy thought he had won. He got coaxed in close, and God destroyed him with a tent peg. Those tent pegs were for all of us. On his hands and on his feet, Jesus was nailed to a cross. 
And that was God's planning from the very beginning. Because God, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when man and woman had sinned against God, when they had rebelled against God, and God knew all too well that this was going to happen, he looked at Satan and he says, man, you are condemned to crawl on the ground forever. And let me tell you this. There's going to come a day where you're going to, woman's going to give birth to somebody and he is going to, though you may bruise his heel, he is going to crush your head. And that was God's plan from the very beginning. So today, today you're wondering if God has a plan. God has a plan. God's revealed that plan over and over again through his word. God has revealed that plan over and over to say, you know what? I have something for you and it is called grace and it is beyond your comprehension. It is beyond what you can understand. It is beyond what you can grasp, but it is here and it is available for you today. Come find victory today. Come find victory at this place where where you know victory can be found. God has given you the victory. God has given you the opportunity to be used by him for his glory. You have to surrender to that. You have to surrender to his calling and his will and his direction. We keep looking over and over for, for God's calling in our life. What is God's purpose for my life? All that thing. Why don't you just surrender to him and say, you know what? I'm going to start by falling on my face before you and say, God, whatever you have for me, I'm willing to do. That's the first step. That's the thing that you know you're supposed to do. If you're not a Christian, you know that you're supposed to fall down on your face before God. Confess him as Lord and say, God, I'll do whatever you call me to do because I believe that you are Lord. I believe that you are Lord and you are Savior and you are worthy of my life and I give it completely to you. Come and find victory today. Some of you have strayed from God. You've done some things to rebel against God. You've created your own idols, your own God that you worship. Now, I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what it is that you worship. I don't know what it is that you put in a place higher than God. But you know what? It can die today. It can die today. You can lay it down at this altar and you can give it to God and say, God, this is no more. You are number one. You have everything in my life. He said, Kenny, I've been praying for that over and over and over again and nothing seems to be happening. Nothing seems to be changing. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up and say God doesn't have a plan. Don't give up and say there's no more. There's just not a possibility. There's not an escape for me. Don't give up. Don't give up. Come and pray one more time. Come and pray one more time because you don't know. Maybe today is the day that you'll get the victory. Don't give up. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this precious word. Thank you so much for the power of your word through the Holy Spirit, how it just enriches in us the truth that you have, God, you have laid out there for us. I know there are people here that are hurting, they're struggling. God, there's so many things going on in this place, and I don't know what's going on here, Lord, but you do. You do. You brought this message specifically to your people for a specific purpose. And I just pray, as your people, we would listen to you. We'd stop listening to ourselves, stop listening to the gods that we've created in our own minds, but Lord, we'd listen to you. Father, we need you. We need you. We need you. Lord, as people come, maybe they come to this altar, maybe they stay in their chairs. It doesn't matter. What matters is I pray that the place that they're standing would be the place they recognize the victory that you have already given. May we be submissive to your will for our lives. May we be submissive to the hard things you've called us to. May we be submissive to the things where we are scared and we are afraid. And Lord, we know that that God, you're calling and you're drawing. And I just pray, Lord, that through your grace and through your mercy, God, you'd be gentle with us and you'd bring us to the place that we need to be so we can be your humble servants. God, whatever you need to do in this place, I pray that we just be obedient. I pray that as you have challenged us through your word, God, that our hearts would respond and you would receive glory in Jesus' name.
Amen. Everyone stand.